Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we talk about one of the hardest competitions an athlete can face, the matchup against their own mind. Today, we talk to Jack Beer about his experiences with anxiety throughout his soccer career. Jack was an All-American in high school, played on youth national teams, and was recruited to play at Georgetown University. He had a successful freshman season, but anxiety and panic attacks led him to, to take time away from his team. Jack wound up returning to the team for his junior year and won a national championship. His story is an amazing example of vulnerability, resilience, and what a positive support system in athletics can look like. And we believe that his story can provide hope for a lot of people who may be struggling. With that, let's dive in. I'm excited for you all to hear. Jack, it is awesome to meet you and have you on the podcast today. I think for me, selfishly, I recognize a lot of my own story in yours, and I'm really excited to get some more of the details and um, your thoughts behind all these situations that you dealt with throughout college um, and kind of where you're at now. So for starters, would you kind of walk us through a little bit more about you growing up and how you initially got into soccer? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. First of all, um, I think I started playing soccer when I was about five years old, but I like to say that I kind of just came out ready to kick a ball, uh, in nets. My, I think my first birthday cake was a soccer field. Um, ironically, which is kind of nuts, but, um, parents knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just knew right away. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I started growing up um, and I think on, on one vacation, the World Cup was on and I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I didn't even want to go on vacation. I just wanted to watch the, all the players just, um, you know, play in this this tournament. And it, it got me hooked right away to the, the game and the passion. So ever since then, kind of five, seven years old, I really started training hard and um, took me through high school um playing at kind of a high level and then got recruited to play at georgetown um which at the time was top five top 10 program and i definitely wanted to go somewhere where i I felt like i could have a shot at winning a national championship and it intrigued me that they were so good but hadn't won more like once um in program history so i kind of wanted it to be my mission so I feel that. Yeah. Duke was the same way when I was getting recruited. And unfortunately we didn't win a national championship. unlike you guys, but <laughs> so close, yeah, so, sick. so close. So and we you were the we rock were so stars close. of the Murray building. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but, yeah. um, well, awesome. So it sounds like you were, did you play other sports too, kind of as cross training or was it really just soccer the whole time? I, yeah. I think from like under, under 10 years old, I, I played some baseball, played some um, football, but soccer was definitely always took the forefront for me in, in whatever I did. I think, honestly, actually one year, might have been seventh grade or maybe maybe before that, there was a whole year that I like wore just a soccer jersey to school. That was it. I was just a, I was that kid that was obsessed. Um but I think that's what carried me through the whole way. And that, that that's why um, 
you know, that's what fueled it really. It was just like my love for the game and my passion for the game. Did you, where'd you grow up? Did you grow up in like a soccer hub? Um, so I grew up in, in Westchester, New York and uh, went to Byron Hills High School in our area um, for whatever reason, just had this generation, I think of young kids that like really felt a, a strong passion for the game and there was like a group of seven or eight of us and and um we all kind of congregated at our my club called New York Soccer Club growing up and just formed this like super team of kids that were just so so obsessed with um playing soccer and our, and our high school um you know also did very well so I definitely grew up in a in a place that really I noticed cared about the game and um definitely supported me throughout my whole journey so cool. I'm picturing all like you and your little nugget soccer player friends <laughs> just feeding off each other all the time. Oh, <laughs> well, super hype about it. Just in that's the backyard. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like soccer was an, a huge part of your identity. Um, and it's a little bit outside of the timeline, but I'm, I'm really excited to come back to it as talking about how, losing that identity at a certain point impact you but we'll we'll get back to that later mm -hmm. um for starters I well not for starters I would love to hear about um whether or not you experienced any mental health issues in high school or did it all really start in college yeah I think it, I think it did start before college I think there was a little in high school and maybe middle school I don't think I really probably understood what was going on or what it was um, but I definitely know that anxiety played a major role in kind of how I viewed um, success in soccer at a certain point. Um, you know, when it got to major um, invitations for me, like national team camps or even regional camps, I would definitely feel a lot of anxiety. And I don't really think I knew like what, what was going on or like how it felt really. I just knew that um, I knew the feeling and I knew that it wasn't a feeling that was particularly fun to have or enjoyable. And it definitely made me confused about, um, you know, where soccer is supposed to be in my life and how um, enjoyable I think the sport is or how enjoyable I think I'm doing, uh, you know, how well I'm doing at the sport. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I got um, kind of mixed up at, at some points, definitely before, um, college when, you know, if I'm getting these invitations and having the success and having these opportunities, why am I feeling like this? Why am I, you know, like completely kind of shutting it down? Why is my like body, my mind shutting down, um, when it's something that I love so much. So it was definitely yeah, really confusing. And like you said, I think ties a little bit into the identity piece of it too, because that was, uh, it's obviously something that's so important to me. So usually the things that are important to you, you like to think that they're serving you well and making you feel good, but that's not always the case. So uh, yeah, definitely a little confusing. Were, were you ever aware growing up um, before you went to school of like mental health? Like, did you have anyone close to you or kind of friends of friends or anything like that? Um, honestly, no, I don't think it's been a topic that's been discussed, at least for me until recent years. Um, I don't think, you know, I didn't know what anxiety was. I didn't really know what depression was until college, really, when, um, you know, I started to experience those things firsthand. 
Um, so no, I don't think I really had a good view on it. I don't think I, I was even comfortable really talking about my feelings or my emotions or anything like that um, until really it got to the point where I had to, I feel like. So um, that's something I wish I did earlier and I, I wish it was talked about earlier. I'm curious and you might not have an answer for this, but I'm really putting you on the spot. Yeah. Why do you think like you may not have talked about, I guess, your feelings like prior to, I call mine like my eruption, like prior to really mm-hmm. like hitting a wall? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I think the the general, I've thought about that before and I think maybe it just has to do a little bit with growing up and not feeling as comfortable um, kind of talking about it. And, and also, you know, there's obviously stigma around mental health. Um, and as an athlete, it's not that easy. I feel like to open up and, you know, you're sharing a locker room or, or, you know, you're friends with a bunch of guys that maybe don't always share their feelings as well. So it's, it's kind of a weird and uncomfortable thing to talk about and I guess I would honestly not blame myself but I would just put it on immaturity I guess at that point I think some of it's stigma and some of it I think has to come to a point where you do realize that you have to open up about these things and if it is getting that bad you have to kind of share what you're feeling in order to get help um and I think that's that's kind of we'll get obviously we'll get to it but that's kind of what helped me and I guess saved me, I think was, was really opening up. So I I do wish it was talked about more. Um, I guess another thing is, you know, not a lot of people know what you're going through, I guess, because a lot of people try and, you know, you don't want, if you don't want to show it, how is someone going to understand to be there to, or to talk about it or to reach out? Um, But yeah, I guess to your point, I, I don't think it was just talked about a lot in general. So Do you have any, I guess, advice for people who might be like, think back, what, like five, five years ago when you were in high school, 10 years ago, whatever it is um, that you could give to like, maybe allow like them to open up that conversation? Like, I guess any piece of advice, like looking back being like, is this could have been like a way for me to kind of emote one thing or whatever it may be just for our listeners? Yeah, I think. Something that I, I, I've asked, I've, I've kind of bat, went back and forth and battled with this question before, um, because I really do think it is a battle about how willing someone is to open up about it, because I can't just, I guess, you know, single out a certain person or a certain group of people and be like, this is, you know, I'm here for you if you need, like, if, if you don't really see that something could potentially be going on. And I actually just thought of an example I think I can um, give, I guess, when I was, I think, 12 or 13 and, and coming back from national team camp for a week. Um, I think it was I still say it was one of the worst weeks of my life. <laughs> um, just it was so mentally draining and so much anxiety, so much. Um, you get in kind of a, a loop where you can't really focus on performing. So it's not it's not the fun, competitive um, feeling that you get when, when you're usually playing, it's like, you, you can't find focus, you can't find your game at all. So, uh, it was in, incredibly frustrating, um, week for me and mentally, mentally really challenging. And I came back obviously to my, to my coaches wanting to know how it went. Um, 
And I remember my dad was with me um, and, and him, him and my, my mom were the only ones that kind of knew how tough that week for me was. Like at, at one point I really wanted to just call it and, and go home. Um, it wasn't worth the, the, what I was going through mentally. So um, at the end of it, I'm glad I, I'm really glad I pushed through. Um, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is when I came home and my coaches asked me, how it was I just said you know great it was good no problems like it didn't I didn't talk at all about like kind of how it was just awful like mentally how I didn't enjoy it and and my parents were like what is this kid talking about like he just had the worst week ever like and I guess that's just an ex- like that that is a if I, if I have to give advice that's a moment where like if I'm 12 or 13 years old I, I wish I wasn't afraid to share how I was feeling because I don't even think there's, there really isn't, this is, I, I know that moment translates to the moment that I shared how I was feeling at Georgetown. I was the same amount of scared, same amount of uncomfortable, you know, it, it may, maybe even more honestly, because I'm older, I'm supposed to be more mature about these feelings. Um, so I really think it comes from number one, a society that is welcoming to those thoughts and, and, uh, emotions and, and those conversations, but also the other half of it being um, a society where young kids and, and college athletes and, and whatnot feel comfortable and um, are ready to share those feelings. So I think that it's twofold in that sense. Gotcha. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting more into your experience at Georgetown, but I guess, would you just kind of set the scene for us? Mm-hmm. What did you feel going into it and um, kind of your first experience freshman year? How was the balance between academics and athletics? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was, I think it was just a, a real learning curve and a real learning experience. I didn't go into college really knowing what to expect. And I think that's the hardest part. Um, is that there's a lot of unknowns and everyone deals with those in, in different ways. And unfortunately, my mind kind of just goes in spirals about them sometimes. So um, most of my most of how I was feeling, I think, came from a lot of those unknowns in regard to soccer, not as much school. I think I, I'm a person that that I think balances uh, my time well and, and things like that. So that wasn't necessarily as much of an issue. I was so excited and so happy to be um, on on the team at, at Georgetown, and it was a bunch of great guys, and um, the opportunity was amazing. And I was playing, you know, like thirty to forty five minutes a game, and I was, I guess, I didn't really have the perspective of how actually good that was, and and the patience that I needed. Um, cause I think, again, I didn't know what to expect. And when you don't know whether you're playing sometimes 20 or sometimes 60, it's like, I never had to deal with that before. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it definitely got to my head and I, and I learned a lot about myself, um, that freshman year. And I think by the end of it, I actually got to handle, um, uh, my playing time and the social scene and everything well, but there were definitely, um, yeah, like challenges mentally. I some there were a lot of days where I feel like felt like I wasn't playing like myself. That's a very frustrating feeling when you just like you have this really, really good player inside of you and you can't somehow like get it out because of this anxiety you're feeling or you want to play safe all the time. 
Um, but at the same time, it was such a good learning experience. I think I really needed that freshman year to understand um, and get a lot of perspective on what it's like to be um, a college athlete and, and get used to that system and have some of those, those unknowns finally answered, whether I wanted it to be answered or not. Um, so I think it was, it was definitely good overall to prepare me for my junior year eventually. Did you, did you like Georgetown, like take out soccer? Did you like going to Georgetown, like your freshman year where you were like, I made the right decision or were you kind of, yeah. I guess, yeah. End of freshman yeah. year. What were you feeling? No, I think, I think I was on the fence. I think a lot of it t- uh, comes back to the identity thing with soccer. If soccer's, that's one thing that really scared me, honestly, is if soccer's not going well, that's basically, that's why I came to Georgetown. You know, that's my true passion that, you know, could potentially be what I want to do for the rest of my, you know, not for the rest of my life, but um, as a job, you know, it's, it's something that it, it means so much to me. So when it's not going to plan or when it's not going well, maybe it's when, when it's in doubt. Um, I think my view of Georgetown changed within that, which was, um, I think something that I would encourage other people. And I, I would have encouraged my younger self to, like allow myself to focus on other things. And I think realize that it's good to focus on other things. I think a lot of it does have to do with focus. And if you're focusing on the things that maybe aren't going well, or sometimes some things that's, that's hard with anxiety is that, you know, you have intrusive thoughts. So it's, it really is all about focus. If the, if you're focusing and you can't get out of those thoughts, those are the things that are going to be kind of dominating your mindset. So um, Georgetown on, honestly was a great community. And I don't think, I really got the opportunity to see it until kind of my older stages when I got more comfortable, got more used to it. Um, so overall, like I, I would not, I, I wouldn't have wanted to go anywhere else. I'm, I'm so happy with my decision. I think it took me a little while to get there. <laughs> um, so I, I read through the hidden opponent article that you wrote before this and it's an amazing article I'm sure we'll link it in show notes and would recommend for anyone to read through it um one of my favorite parts of it was the analogy that you used for your panic attacks or I I don't know if that's I think that's how you kind of uh termed it but kind of describing it as the last level of a fitness test I think that for someone who hasn't experienced an anxiety attack that was a really helpful analogy to use Um, so at what point did that experience kind of set in for you? And um, yeah, what was that like finally getting to that point of having those really intense experiences? Yeah, um, it was difficult. I, I, like it was, it was definitely really hard. I, I had always experienced, like I said, I guess, anxiety at a certain level. Um, so I, I understood the feeling, but I didn't... Um, really understand I guess how intense those feelings could get in those panic attacks and yeah when I I guess when I was making that analogy it's so it's so tough to put yourself in in someone else's shoes um you know when someone's having a panic attack I think it's hard to describe anyway um but that that is definitely I think something that could describe it well and and those feelings yeah it, it really just it's a, it's a, it's such a tough thing to describe because you feel so, I think that something that people forget is that you do feel helpless at the time. It's not like, you know, it's so easy for other people to be in, in such a steady headspace at one second and 
say, you know, well, why can't you get to control it? Like it, it feels the, I think the, the most important thing is it feels so uncontrollable and you feel mm-hmm. so helpless. And I, and I do think that's kind of where I was honestly getting at with this specific analogy was in, in that last level, you feel helpless because you feel like you have to keep going and you can't stop basically no matter what. And you kind of, you, you know, what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that your lungs are burning, you know, you're, you probably can't think straight at the time. You're just, your legs are moving, but like your brain isn't really functioning. Um, you know, you think you're about to pass out. Like you just want it to end all of these things I think are so descriptive to, to panic attacks as well. Um, and the one, again, the one thing that stands out for me about the analogy really is, is the helplessness is that you just have to kind of grind it out and, and wait it through. But at the time, I mean, it feels awful. It just feels like you're losing your mind and, and you don't really know when it's going to end. And, you know, there's techniques that I've thankfully learned to kind of manage those either before it happens or while it happens, but definitely, um, yeah, not nice to go through, um, you know, at multiple points and also very unexpected uh, at the same time. You don't really know when it's going to happen. And um, I can go into this now or later, but. Um, yeah, now now's great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess I, I kind of had two main panic attacks at school. Um, and, and the one I'm thinking about right now is kind of when um I came back after my freshman year fall into my freshman year spring so after that fall I was you know again kind of some some unknowns I didn't know whether I was going to play more after my freshman season or you know what it was going to be like socially all these things and and right basically as I came back I think it was literally the first day back on campus that was my first real panic attack that I think I ever experienced and that was definitely the worst one <laughs> because it was, I had no idea how intense it could get. It really, really felt so dark and, and so like, just like, just really, really awful. And um, kind of just stuck in my own mind and I couldn't get out. And obviously I had this season coming up and that's really when all of these questions started coming in about, about just the place that soccer had in my life, because I couldn't imagine how could I almost blame, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame it on soccer, but I was just so confused how something that I loved so much was making me feel like this or, or, you know, in any way, whether, you know, whether I was controlling it or not, just the fact that that was something that was involved was also, it was just like, at one point, just heartbreaking for me because after that spring, I, I, I played well, um, but just really wasn't enjoying it. Really fell out of love with it because, the anxiety was what I was focusing on. That was what was taking over. Um, and that was a tough summer, um, kind of deciding whether or not I wanted to play anymore. I think it, it, the anxiety really had gotten that bad where there were more days that I was not enjoying it because of my anxiety. I couldn't control it. Um, so I figured it would be good for me to feel what it's like to not have it in my life, maybe miss it a little bit, obviously reduce the anxiety um, and not play my sophomore year so that's that's what I decided um and I think very quickly I decided I wanted to play again because I just love this sport obviously and when I'm not having that anxiety and, and this is why I make the comparison that it's like hard to tell 
um, when you're not in that person's shoes is because I wasn't in my shoes anymore. I was, I was not on the team. I was just watching them from afar. I was like, this is awesome. This is so easy. I could do this. Like, and um, decided to come back in the spring, my sophomore year, um, came back. I think for the first, I, I was definitely less anxious, but for the first maybe month, month and a half, I was very on the fence about quitting again, just because there was, just it, it was still very uncomfortable for whatever reason. Um, I, I was again, those unknowns were like kind of eating at me. It, it's like I didn't feel that comfortable, but then I started playing well, started really gelling with the guys again. And I honestly developed um, and grew, I think, from that sophomore spring into my junior year, just so much about understanding more what it felt like and, and getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And knowing that I could get through those little stages of being uncomfortable, which kind of pushed me to had a great summer playing. I felt so good um, coming into my junior year. I was so excited. This was my second, you know, I was going to get another shot at really good season, you know, being older, feeling good. Um, I genuinely had no worries, honestly. And then coming back again into my junior year fall for preseason, I think within three hours of being back on campus with all the guys, I had all like just, just a terrible panic attack, just so unexpected. Obviously, you know, I, I just said I was, I was going in with such high hopes, no worries. Um, just, just did not expect it at all. And I, I felt these feelings coming on and I was like, Oh, I know what's going on. It's that last level. Like this is going to be, you know, brutal. Um, and just, I remember just trying to get space. Every, uh, the whole team was in one house um I just had to get space on my own um and I this is kind of also the journey of really opening up to it because this panic attack basically withstained itself somehow for basically it was on and off for like three days um just before the team and I were supposed to go off to the preseason hotel um and within this time like just a a bunch of private conversations a bunch of being on my being on my own when I probably sh you know should have been with the team um because I felt like I couldn't handle it I didn't want the team to see me like that um and it kind of started the journey of of opening up about it because there came to a point where if I did want to be on the team it was impossible to withstand being on my own like that hiding it like that um so that first night our fourth assistant coach um, helped me a lot. I, I, I just, I told him basically what I was feeling, which was big, like big for me because no one knew at all. Even when, even when I took off um, for my, for my sophomore season, no one really knew the mental aspect. They just kind of knew, you know, I told my coach, like, just tell him, you know, I'm not, not feeling it like you know it's, it's fine I'm tired you know I'll, I'll take a huge nap and come back <laughs> um but no I this was like I was opening up to my fourth assistant he was so receptive and I was so surprised um at how receptive he was and and grateful but these feelings kept kept kind of persisting I, I couldn't really deal with it anymore and and then started having conversations with my head coach, Coach Weiss. He was so receptive. He was like, we will accommodate you in any way. We're here for you. The boys are here for you. Like, 
you have nothing to be afraid of, ashamed of. And I was just in shock. I was like, I was like, I was, it, it made me not in a, in a good way, but it made me feel like dumb for being scared. Like, why would I be, you know, why, why would I be scared about talking like this or, or sharing this? If it's this bad, you know, if, if my coaches and my teammates are, are so accommodating and so understanding and it helps, like it, it, it completely lifted the weight off my shoulders. Um, I think within I, I decided not to go to the to the preseason hotel because of kind of just what I was feeling. And I was no matter what, I really I still couldn't control what I was my anxiety. I couldn't control those feelings. Um, but within four days, I think something like that, um, I was again kind of I was I was still hanging on by a thread, um, still at school and and um, just was I, I was in the the our house, our, our soccer house. Well, everyone was at preseason. I was just by myself. We didn't have, um, like there were there at one point there was like no lights, like no, maybe no AC or something. I was just in there by myself, kind of just thinking and, and trying to understand what the hell just happened. Um, and within those couple of days, like I said, like the understand that the amount of texts I got from my teammates, like understanding, uh, my coaches, the the accommodations they made, my assistant coach put me in touch with his wife, who had also had anxiety, and and we spent a day like in the park just like talking. Uh, it was just like it was such a amazing um, way to like think about mental health and completely change my perspective on, on my relationship with it and how it should be treated and. Um, I felt so much better just like about how I was feeling. And I still don't even like, I, I don't, I don't know how to reason it, but instantly it just from that moment on for four months, no anxiety, just, I was, it was amazing. It was one of the best seasons of my life. Um, and yeah, like my, I can't thank my teammates and my coaches like enough for, hearing what I had to say and being so understanding about it and receptive and like just completely lifting me up because like I obviously wouldn't have won a national championship. It was, it was just unbelievable. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Jack in a second. We'd like to take a moment to talk about Morgan's message, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Through amplifying stories, resources, and expertise to confront student-athlete mental health, Morgan's message is building a community by and for athletes and providing a platform for advocacy. Morgan's message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student-athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. To help us take a shot at mental health, to support our mission, or to just find out more, head to morgansmessage.org or follow us along on Instagram at morgansmessage. Let's get back to Jack. Um, I feel like there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> I'm like also 
tearing up because huge round of applause to your coaching staff and your team for providing you with such a safe space. Um, Cause yeah. I feel like there aren't many people who are lucky enough to like feel dumb for being like, what was I thinking? Not going to be, you know, like, and that, yeah. that I think is amazing. And it's also amazing. Like, for a men's, a men's team as well, to have that kind of community where you feel heard, you feel listened to, like, you don't feel dumb for being like, I like, feel like I'm on that last level. Um, so that we'll, we'll come back to that. Cause I, I would love to hear tips and stuff later for possible people who are listening. Um, it might be in those coaching positions, whether it's coaching college or high school, but mm-hmm. My, my biggest question, even looking back to your sophomore year, did you guys have a psychologist on staff? Uh, we did. We did. I think the, the whole time I was at, um, actually, no, I think we, we, we got one my sophomore year. Um, they actually ended up leaving because I think there were so many people at Georgetown that wanted to um, go see them think they got kind of over I think I think this is the story that they got um just to I and and I can kind of back it up with um evidence or not evidence that like that that I could only get an appointment like once every couple weeks or like once a month and that that would mean you know I'm seeing someone maybe like four times five times a semester and for what I was feeling I didn't think that was adequate enough so um that's kind of it, it, it wasn't, it was, I could tell they were obviously making an effort. And I think during this time in general, a bunch of, like I think society in general and a bunch of colleges kind of realized that it, there was a need for it. Um, but at Georgetown specifically, I think they're, they're, they are realizing more and more how important it is. Um, in my junior year, they got uh, a new one. Um, and the same, I think it was kind of a similar type of story, but they, they had a sports psychologist and they also had um something called caps which is uh another mental health kind of resource there um but maybe i didn't utilize them as much as i could have or should have but um i kind of wanted to deal with it in a direct way with my coaches and my teammates which i think was for me the best decision i think duke kind of had a similar situation where we had a site a sports psych for forever um household staple uh, and then when we, when Skylar and I graduated like that next year, um, they hired in like a more so psych- psychiatrist, psychologist, I, yep. sh- I should probably, uh, <laughs> Google before I butcher, but, um, he's, and he's amazing. And I feel like he's been, because a lot of people are going to the sports psych and the sports psych was like, I'm here for performance things. I'm not necessarily here for. And I even went to him at one point and he was like, I can't really help you with that stuff. Like I'm here for like, you know, if your swing is off in golf or like, if you can't pick up the ground ball and I'm like, yeah, that's not what my issue is. Um, (laughs) But I think more colleges are realizing that this is a, like a huge thing across, I mean, not just like the nation, but globally that, you know, people need more support than, than they're getting. Um, But yeah. Um, it's so interesting for me to hear that after that experience of getting all that support from your community, that you really felt like your anxiety was lifted. Um, 
did you have moments still throughout that season where anxiety would come back at all? Or have you experienced moments of anxiety since then? Um, yeah. Or was it truly like you felt mm-hmm. good that entire, that entire time? So that, that season, I really did um, feel good pretty much the entire time. I think there was the, the first game in preseason that I, I got to play the last preseason game out of three um, because I had missed the first two already, kind of just um, chilling out. But um, that, but the bus ride on the way there, I was a little anxious and I was like, this is really going to happen again, like <laughs> uh, here. Uh, and I kind of calmed myself down in that moment and had some of my like best friends ever right next to me and it was it was honestly all smooth sailing from them from from there my coach actually um one of the ways he accommodated me was away trips were were tough for me because I think I don't know if it has to do with the identity thing but it was solely soccer for those however many days and we were in an isolated place where you know I couldn't do what I wanted I didn't have other things to focus on um or get out of that space so um it was those those would get a little hard for me um and he allowed me to kind of um stay with the same one or two guys the whole time who who I was closest with who who he knew would support me best um and I just felt so comfortable with them and it it made honestly the the world of difference I actually ended up loving away trips it felt like vacation (laughs) so um yeah like that that was that was one of the ways that um that he kind of helped me out and and supported me and honestly like those little things just meant the world to me like it was it was the complete difference um and just knowing that he was willing to put that effort in and or some kind to some type of change knew you know it made me feel like uh he had my back in that way so yeah yeah that makes a ton of sense mate one in terms of the roommates like we we would switch around roommates on away trips and it was great to get to know other people. And I totally see that logic, but it is amazing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a more introverted person. It's insane how different I feel around people that I'm fully comfortable with versus people I'm not. So I definitely get that. And also just love that your coach created that environment where you felt like you could ask for what you needed. I think that that is so important. And I hope that more coaches will kind of take that on yeah yeah because and then I I want to talk a little bit about your epic national championship run (laughs) (laughs) um one thing that stuck out to me specifically because I hate taking PKs is the fact that you stepped Mm -hmm. up for that PK in the national championship um I was wondering if dealing with anxiety and finding ways to calm yourself down almost in a way transferred into that sports specific moment where you could learn to take on this big anxiety inducing moment in a way that other people who hadn't experienced anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, um, I think you're right. I think it definitely played a role. Um, that was, it was, we, and I, it was just a weird moment. Honestly, I, I was really nervous the whole game. Um, I was definitely anxious that game. If you want a, a moment that has anxiety all over it, that was 
the whole guy, I, I couldn't even think, I, I didn't even care. Like the, the anxiety didn't matter to me at that point. Yeah. I think I was numb to that. And I was just like, can we please just win? Like, <laughs> um, so I don't even remember me playing in the game. Um, honestly, the only, ironically, the only 15 minutes I think I remember is I was out of the game. Um, it was last, you know, it was minute 105 to, to 120. And we're tied. And I'm just thinking, like, ah, this is really going to happen. Like, I really have to do this. Like, I don't, there's no other way. And I know my coach is too stubborn to not have me take one, even though, like, I'm nervous. And um, I think what people don't know, actually, is that a little bit earlier in the season, um, in the Big East semifinal, we take, we, we practice penalties all the time. And, um, my coach had picked me pretty consistently in the top five um, to take one. So it, I, I hadn't taken a penalty for Georgetown at all. And the Big East tournament is something that's big for us. Um, and the semifinal I had missed when I had went up. And we ended up winning that game. Um, my, literally my, my best friend that I room with all the time saved me <laughs> uh, and he scored. So I was all right, but um, that's all I was thinking about. And and I have the, the mentality and the personality that like the day after I can't live with myself. I took my fourth assistant coach, went up just me and him at like 8 PM and took, I think I took a hundred penalties, like maybe like it had to be more. Like I took so many penalties, like until, and it wasn't until I met like, it was literally until I missed, I, I was just, just hammering penalties. I, I didn't want to feel like that anymore. Like I didn't want to, I wanted to know that if it happened again, I could trust myself and that I knew I would score. Um, but at the same time, if a game was tied, I was like, can we please not do this? <laughs> um, so of course the game that's tied is the most important game uh, after that. And um, like I said, I was nervous the whole game and, and that 15 minutes, Honestly, just I the only I I got in a headspace where I I could be almost like by myself, but it wasn't the by myself where I was freaking out, anxious, like needed to be away from the team. It was like a focused by myself, like back home, no pressure, just me and the goalie, not even a goalie in the goal, just kick it in and just score. Like that's that's all I have to do. And I think like you said, I think I had dealt, I think dealing with anxiety in the past and dealing with some of those thoughts, like it really starts when the first thought comes into your head, like the doubt, am I going to miss? Like, Oh God, like, I don't want to do that. You know, that, that feeling, the, the split second it comes into your head, it's really, how do you deal with that? And if you deal it in the way where you freak out when you have those thoughts, it just, that's how the loop starts and it gets worse and worse and worse. And you can't, that's, that's what you can focus on. And again, I think I just did in that moment, a really good job. Um, of combating it. And I think practice, you know, having experience with it before and, and knowing how to refocus myself and get in a place where I could be focused and not worry about missing um, and be confident stepping up and, um, you know, having some of my best friends take those penalties with me, um, feeling more comfortable like that. I, I honestly didn't doubt myself for a second, like stepping up. Honestly, I, I, I was very, very confident for whatever reason. <laughs> um, and ironically, you know, the guy that, you know, couldn't stand to be on the team or, or um, you know, really had 
difficulty with keeping his cool and not getting nervous was, you know, on the field and, and taking a penalty, which is just amazing that my coach could trust me like that and um, have the, the strength um, and the courage for me to, to put me on the, the sheet and, and hit it in. So, yeah. That's so epic. I have like goosebumps. Um, what was the feeling after when it, were you just like, yeah, I knew it was going to go in or. No, that was, when, <laughs> that was when, that was when I could admit to myself, like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> awful, but no, nah, it was, there, there's the video of it. Like you can see the passion come out of my face and I was just, I was so, so excited and then felt that my job was over and it was all in, you know, God's hands at this point. And just honestly, from then on, wanted to instill the confidence in my teammates that I knew that they should have and that I would want. I was like, I was just, there was no way in my mind that we were going to lose. It was me and me and my, my friend were talking about it the night before. And just that, that was the only thing we could say is there's just no way, like there's just no way that we can lose this game. Like I, I don't see another option and I, I don't want to, put in the effort to go back anyway. So we're, we're winning it. <laughs> yeah, it's so sick. And that's something that no one can ever take away from you. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, so now in your post-national championship life, what what does your mental health look like? What does the rest of your life look like? Yeah. Um, so right now I'm working nine to five um, for Fox. And that includes Fox Sports, entertainment, news. Um, and I'm doing marketing. Um, so digital advertising and marketing is something that I think I grew a passion for over time. Um, I think there's a lot of different things that I'm kind of interested in within marketing. Social media is something that's interesting to me. Partnerships is interesting to me. But I'm also not closing the door on on soccer or anything else, really. I think one of the nice things about um, where I'm at right now is just there's endless opportunity and there's endless um, possibilities. And, and those unknowns that I guess scared me before are more exciting now, um, now that it's maybe just not soccer, just not one thing. Um, and I think I'm a lot more balanced where I'm at right now um, in life and just kind of relaxing, doing my thing. My mental health is, I would say, really good um, at the moment. Um, and I think I've learned just so much about myself, especially during COVID. That was a time where, honestly, my mental health was not good. And I think a lot of, obviously, a lot of other people can relate. Um, but yeah, honestly, that was, a, that was a really tough time. Transitioning out of soccer, I'm at a point now where I can, you know, have my schedule and I can, um, you know, feel like I'm productive and purposeful and um, have meaning and, and things like that. But, you know, after soccer was really over, um, it was tough. It was it was very confusing because I knew it was going to end um, and I had made this decision mentally um, that this was going to be, you know, my time and that that national championship, you know, was going to be my last game. Um, and it did feel like I, a part of my identity kind of had to die and I had to kind of come to terms with it a little bit. Um, and I think that's very real for a lot of college athletes transitioning out of it, um, whether they go on to play or not. Um, it's just a different feeling, obviously combined with being out of college, um, you know, just in general, 
uh, and at the same time, not playing a sport at the same time being in COVID um, just wasn't, wasn't an easy transition. It definitely got uncomfortable um, at a lot of times. Um, and I think I forget what it's called, but it's not like there's, there's a word for, for when you not lose your identity, but you have like, not an identity crisis. I don't know what it's called, but um, I think it's very common, especially when looking for a job, you feel like the job is, is takes up that new identity and that's what determines you. But that's just not how, that's not how I view it at all. Um, I try and like, at this point, I'll also from, from learning about the soccer um, I've kind of understood that I need to put other things in my life other than one thing. So it's not just my work. It's not just soccer. Um, I love fishing. I go fishing all the time. <laughs> uh, and yeah, just hanging out with friends and, and doing things that uh, I really enjoy. Um, it's been really nice. So I'm in a good place. I think that's an awesome tip for listeners is like finding other things to find joy in and like spread, spread the love around. Um, but the identity we'll call it identity crisis is so real. Um, especially with post-grad and finding a job and like being Uh like comparing yourself to other people, like what's their offer like, or, oh my gosh, I like have gone on all these interviews and I'm not getting what I want or starting solo on the totem pole and being like, you know, Uh um, and that's really hard, I think to struggle with, but what you said was so, so spot on with like finding other things and, you know, doing your thing, which is awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Right. So we had some closing questions. I don't really want to close it out, but I feel like we're coming up on time. <laughs> yes. Let's all right. yeah. Lead us off. <laughs> all right. I will. Um, all right. If you could go back in time to one moment that was especially dark for you, uh, what is something that you would tell yourself? Mm, that it's temporary probably. I think so often when we feel such dark things and, and bad times and, and feelings that we don't want to feel, we get so wrapped up and think that it's going to last like forever and that, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But every time I've been in one of those situations, there's always been at least a moment, at least a minute, maybe longer, obviously longer, but um, where at the end of it or in and out, um that it is good and it's not a straight line either it, it goes up and down um I think that was also if there's a second thing that I would tell myself is it's not always a straight road out of it I think you can get so excited at some points where in a couple of days you feel better and then you have another you know kind of crappy day and you're like oh back to this again but at the same time you don't I, I feel like I didn't realize at least that you know you can still be making progress when it's like three days good one day's bad um and you keep going like that so yeah, I think keeping the faith and, and really um, almost like being supportive of yourself, not not necessarily. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I would say. Life is not linear. I love that. <laughs> um, what is one thing you want our audience to take away from this episode? Um, I definitely want people to take away that they should never be afraid of what they feel or to say what they feel. I think it's so important. Um, and I don't, I don't think people even understand the benefits until they actually do do it. So, um, 
you know, if you're in need of, of help or if you're going through something, there's absolutely no shame. Um, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you do to, to say how you feel and, and get the help that you deserve. So. I think that's so important. And I, I'm so glad that you had a positive experience of asking for help and then getting that help that you need. And I hope that there are just more and more situations where that's the case. Um, and then last question, what are you most grateful for? Um, a lot of things. (laughs) Um, this is a weird thing to be, I mean, it's not weird, but it's just, it's kind of a basic answer, but honestly, like a lot of, a lot of going through the, the feelings that I've felt and, and the ups and downs and everything seems so, so much worse than what it is. I'm honestly just so grateful to like be alive, like just to live. Like we don't, there's, you know, we only have one lifetime and I think we lose track of how we're kind of just honestly want in reality, one little speck on earth. And, you know, like all of our reality is up to us and we can choose whatever we want. And we're honestly just like, we're lucky to live every day and have the opportunity to make the most of every day. So that's something I think about all the time now that I'm out of college, I'm done with soccer. It's just so many changes in perspectives um, have given me kind of like a new, newfound appreciation about life and just like waking up every day, making the most of it. Um, I think it's so important to remind ourselves that honestly, we can get so lost in the stress, the good times, the bad times. Um, But, you know, the sun comes up every day and we're, we're so lucky to see it. So that's something I've been reminding myself. I want to, I just want to clip that, put it on a loop and like play it when I wake (laughs) up in the morning. Cause I feel like that was so eloquently stated. Like, I feel like you just like, oh my goodness. Um, Oh yeah. Um, Well, thank you again for coming on and chatting and just being vulnerable and opening up to, you know, to, to random strangers, no longer strangers, but um, this was awesome. This was such a great episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and, and having this conversation with me. I hope more go on and, and as mental health becomes more prevalent in our society, um, that more and more people will be able to be more and more comfortable. And, um, you know, the reason for writing that article on the hindered opponent and, and getting involved with mental health in general is just to help one person at all um and you know people have already it's it's been nice to see people reach out um and ask for help from me and I think that's that's literally what it's all about um just paying it forward so yeah definitely so happy to have done this met you guys so thank you again for having me on Another huge thank you to Jack for talking with us today and to opening up about his personal experience with mental health and anxiety and all things athletics. Um, he is an incredibly empowering story and I was really excited to talk to him and I think the conversation exceeded my expectations knowing that you know there are people like Jack out there who are asking for help and are seeing incredible support, you know, from teammates to coaching coaches, coaching staffs. Like I am still very much in awe um, 
And if you want to get in touch with Jack, you can check him out at jbeer10 on Instagram. Um, if you want to follow along the mental matchup, you can find us at the mental matchup on Instagram. And obviously a huge, big, big thank you to Morgan's message for presenting the podcast. We wouldn't be here without them. If you want to learn more about Morgan's message, head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at Morgan's message. And with that, we are out.